theme for Helen and a pig bag for Emma and Papa's got a brand new pig bag. Now, the Full English Breakfast Show, scientists have developed a biologically inspired membrane that could quintuple the charge capacity of electric car batteries, uh, thereby massively increasing their range. A team from the University of Michigan uh, used recycled Kevlar, the same material found in bulletproof vests, to create a network of nanofibers similar to a cell membrane. Uh, they then used this to fix fundamental issues with the next generation battery type known as lithium sulfur. Until now, this type of battery's cycle life, the number of times it can be charged and discharged, has been insufficient for commercial use in electric vehicles, despite their capacity benefits. Uh, lithium sulfur batteries are capable of holding up to five times as much charge as the industry standard lithium-ion batteries, which are used in everything from smartphones and laptops to pacemakers. Uh, lithium sulfur batteries are capable of holding up to five times as much charge as the industry standard lithium-ion batteries, uh, but it's the inherent instability of the cathodes of lithium sulfur batteries, which undergo a 78% change in size each charge cycle, mean they're widely impractical for use in consumer electronics. Are you with us still? Uh, no. No? No. I just want to know what we're going to do with them. Cathodes and anodes. Yeah, it's all very well, but what are we going to do with the what, batteries? The, the batteries? Yes. I mean, are we just ignoring this? Is it just not? But it's got to be better than polluting the atmosphere. Oh, with, really? With, oh, I don't I know. I think so. Well, wait and find out. There's no, there's no sort of greenhouse gases coming off uh, off the batteries, is there? I know it's a problem getting rid of them, but surely pumping all, all that CO2 in the atmosphere and polluting the air at the same time, it's got to be a step in the right direction. Well, as soon as somebody tells me where they're going to go, in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the floor also makes them degrade extremely quickly, meaning they would need to be replaced far more often than their more stable counterparts. Oh. The groundbreaking potential of lithium sulphur batteries mean research institutions around the world are rushing to try and make the technology viable, with the previous breakthroughs focusing on the use of a flexible cathode. Uh, the challenge nowadays is to make a battery that increases the cycling rates from the former 10 cycles to hundreds of cycles and satisfies multiple other requirements, including cost. What's a cathode? Cathode is uh, it's one heart, one part of the thing that carries the electrical charge. I oh, think okay. cathodes are negative and anodes are positive. Very good. Yeah. You didn't bunk off school at all, did you? No, no, I've just uh. been reading all about particle <laughs> physics during my <laughs> absence. <laughs> Which is why I asked you that question about who split the atom in 1932. Oh, I see. Clever yeah. clogs. Yeah. Anyway, if you're incredibly rich, maybe you could just hire 100 people, build a massive kind of machine and have 100 cyclists, and and 100 cyclists under the sort of bonnet cycling away. <laughs> well, Each to their own. Is that what you'd do if you had a load of dosh? No, come off it. Well, as long as you pay them properly. <laughs> <laughs> The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. The start of The Guardian today, when the announcement of Prince Andrew's sudden royal demotion came at a few minutes past 5pm yesterday, the level of its brutality didn't take long to sink in for people who know how the royal family works. Uh, I don't know what the Richter scale goes up to, but this is a big earthquake, one source told The Guardian. This feels to me like a straightforward ejection or excommunication. This is the most serious step they could have taken. Uh, gone are the Duke of York's military affiliations, ranging from being Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Irish Regiment to Colonel of the Grenadier Guards, and gone were his royal patronages, including a characteristically large number of golf clubs, but also good causes such as Sick Kids and the Royal Free London NHS Foundation Trust. He will retain his military rank of Vice Admiral and remains in the line of succession to the throne.
In this morning's Le Monde, the United States Supreme Court on Thursday blocked Joe Biden's decision to impose the anti-COVID vaccine on companies with more than 100 employees, inflicting a major setback on the Democratic president and undermining his efforts to contain the pandemic. The High Court, on the other hand, validated the vaccination obligation for employees of health structures that benefit from federal funds. In the United States, where the virus has killed more than 845,000, only 62% of the population is fully vaccinated because of very marked political divisions on the issue. The Melbourne Age says the Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie has accused the Immigration Minister Alex Hawke of being missing in action over the Novak Djokovic saga and called on the federal MP to make a decision. Appearing on Nine's Today show, Lambie said, so maybe it's about time to stop this debacle, finish it once and for all. And in the Figaro, the Association for Housing and Living Environment in France has said that EDF will be forced to contain the electricity bill, saying it welcomed the news that the French consumer will be the most protected in Europe. That doesn't mean you can leave the lights on. You know who you are. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Can, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Time for the Friday pop quiz. Certainly is. Question number one. On this day in 1966, David Jones changed his name to David Bowie to avoid confusion with which other singer from which other band? David Jones from the Monkees. Correct. On this day in 1984... Paul McCartney made chart history in the UK. It meant that he had become the first artist to have a number one in the group with the Beatles, in a duo with Stevie Wonder, and in a trio with the Wings, uh, with Wings rather, and as a solo artist, what was the song? The Frog Chorus. We all stand no. together. It wasn't No More Lonely Nights then. No. 84? 84. January 84. Is it coming up? No. Christmassy kind of. Oh, um, wonderful Christmas time. Mm, not uh, that. Pipes Christmas. of peace. Correct. I'll give you that. <laughs> and this is easy peasy. Uh, following the Feel Good Friday theme, uh, the following lyrics are from which song which doesn't mention the song title in the lyrics? Please allow me to introduce myself. Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. We are going to play that later. We don't have time now. Instead, we've got Bob Dylan and Rainy Day Women uh, for David and Alan. Riviera Radio. Business. I beg your pardon. Good morning. Good morning. Are you OK? Uh, yeah, I said the computer's just uh, done something really, really odd. Oh, OK. Well, I guess you've got it switched on to the cricket, so maybe you need to get it back to the uh, the news of the day. No, I've got it now. Got it now, thanks. Lovely. <laughs> Shall we fire away then? Whew, that was a, a bit... Uh, Bit worrying. It's bit hairy. Should we get into markets, shall we? Yeah, the uh, sell-off in technology. Yeah. Okay. The sell-off in technology companies resumed yesterday, pushing the Nasdaq down two and a half percent. In fact, to its lowest level since October. Pressure on those highly valued stocks has been driven by rising bond yields. This after the Federal Reserve signaled that inf- they will need to combat inflation aggressively. They've been doing that, of course, by a quicker tapering of its asset purchase program and signalling an earlier rate lift off anticipation is that the first rate in the United rate hike should I say in the United States will come in March investors have been rotating out the technology sector to focus on value stocks 
which tend to be more uh, cyclical and offer near-term cash flows. Tech's long-term earning potential becomes less appealing amid elevated levels of inflation. So a weaker day over on Wall Street yesterday. That's going to be reflected, one would suspect, on the European bourses this morning. Currently calling the FTSE down 38 points. Dax over in Frankfurt down 118 points. Cat Coin and Paris off 57 points. Got a spare suitcase so you could just pop down the off-licence and load it up with wine for me. Is that OK? Well, do you need me to do that for you? No, I think uh, somebody at number 10 did. Okay, I didn't know. Is, is that the latest allegations? I, I I heard on the radio this morning that there's further relevations. Re, 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 revelations. The revelations uh, set to come out, but I didn't see exactly what they were. Yeah, um, it's, uh, this is more Downing Street passes, apparently. But what, what um, I'm interested in is who is drip, drip feeding the, the media? Because somebody's doing it, aren't they, from inside? <laughs> yeah, uh, one would suspect that uh, former advisers who were displeased with the Prime Minister are uh, watching these events closely. OK, on to China and uh, trade figures out, so imports uh, and exports both down a bit. Yeah, if you look at China, though, there's record-breaking export strength continued in December, pushing the annual trade surplus to a new high, providing support for its economy, which we know has been dragged down by the slump in the property market and zero COVID strategy. If you look at exports in December, they came in at $340 billion, taking the full-year total to $3.36 trillion imports were $246 billion. What does that mean? Well, it leaves a trade surplus for the month at $94 billion. If you look at the full year, the surplus was $676 billion. Quite incredible. We know demand for Chinese manufacturing could have surged during the course of the pandemic, but trade growth is expected to weaken during the course of this year as demand for things like work-for-home technology and healthcare equipment slows and demand shifts away from goods into services. Oh, well, at least Friday's amongst the best day of the week. Well, let's see how it goes, of course. It's a big Friday today, so lots to get through. I think you've probably been a little bit premature there. Markets will be waiting for what happens in terms of the earnings season. And, of course, we get US retail sales and industrial production figures to watch out for. So while you're clearly winding down for the weekend, plenty of work for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah let's get it right. You know, I'm out of here at 10 o'clock. I'll be uh, off uh, cracking open the can of Stella and uh, sticking the cricket on as soon as I get home. Correct, correct. Uh, let's do the earnings season, shall we? Today marks, of course, the unofficial start of that fourth quarter earnings season in the United States. JP Morgan, Citigroup, BlackRock and Wells Fargo all reporting today. Remember, the consensus is looking for the S&P 500 companies to deliver year-on-year -year growth of 12%. While this is, uh, that's the uh, profit growth, this is a sharp deceleration, of course, compared to the third quarter. It is still significantly above what anyone would consider normal, however. Sector-wise, energy, materials, industrials are expected to deliver the strongest earnings growth, while utilities, financials are projected to only see modest growth. Markets today, I say, focus on those large-cap banks, which usually set the tone for the earnings season. So I think today's results will be closely watched. Jeffries has already reported mixed earnings with trading activity slowing down quite sharply 
while merger and acquisition revenues remained well supported. So we expect this trend to transpire across the entire sector with uh, JP Morgan warning a month ago that trading activity would be down around about 10%. Yet banks should report, I think, decent results overall, supported by buoyant investment banking fees. Investors will also be looking for confirmation that commercial industrial loans have bottomed out and started to pick up. You had a call from the palace here asking if you'd like to sort of become HRH. <laughs> Uh, well, if it's a role that it's felt I, could, I, I was suitable for, I'd gladly take it on with my other tasks, I suppose. His Royal Highness you know, get... Prince Henk of Cobham. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it, hasn't it? Um, no, not really. Yeah. Started of pots of Milton Keynes and now his Royal Highness of Cobham. There's something about Milton Keynes in the news the other day which we thought might interest you. Apparently it's the most boring <laughs> place in England. Well, I think that's probably a little bit harsh. You can go down, you can look at the concrete cows. It's got it's got a lot to it. The concrete cows? Yeah, one of England's most famous landmarks. Right, that's your phone pinging again, isn't it? Uh, it is, actually. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, right, anything else? Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit flustered because uh, the, the computer's gone into meltdown. So anything else to add this morning? Uh, we can look at Airbus. I thought that was quite interesting. We got figures uh, in from one of the most competitive corporate rivalries which plays out each year. The battle for orders between Airbus and Boeing. Bit of a mixed picture actually. Airbus remained the largest plane maker by deliveries in 2021 holding on to the title for the third consecutive year. But Boeing won the new orders race. Airbus delivered 611 aircraft last year. That's up 8% on 2020. Two-thirds of the delivery was A320 single-aisle jet used for short and medium-haul journeys, of course, which have recovered at much faster rate than long-haul. Airbus secured 507 new orders by the end of November. Boeing won 829 gross sales over the course of the year. Manufacturers are planning to ramp up production levels during the course of this year on hopes the travel industry will further normalise. OK, foreign exchanges, please. Pound against dollar still looking strong this morning, coming in at 137. Euro dollar coming in at 114 and a half. One euro, 19 and a half for your British pound this morning. So, have a nice weekend. What are you doing? Uh, curry and a bottle of Dom Pom, maybe? Well, I'm doing dry-ish January and Friday, dry-ish. which allows you one... Yeah, which allows you one drinking day per week. So I have to uh, have to judge that quite carefully. Although it doesn't determine how much you drink in that on that day, it has to be said. So um, I'm trying to do everything in moderation. A new start to the year. Every year, I don't know about you. Every year, I say to myself, I'm going to drink less, but I'm going to well, going to drink less wine, and I'm going to drink better wine. And each year, I seem to drink the same rubbish and more of it. But uh, this year will be a change. <laughs> right. Well, have a lovely weekend. Talk to you Monday. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lysa has the top stories across the Riviera. According to Public Health France, more than 7,800 new cases of COVID were recorded in the Outmara team in 24 hours on Monday, January the 10th, marking a new record since the beginning of the epidemic. On Thursday, figures showed that 494 people are currently hospitalised with COVID in the Outmara team, including 106 in critical care, for which the occupancy rate in this service now exceeds 90%. 
Since the beginning of the epidemic, COVID has caused 2,386 deaths in the Outmara team and 2,372 in the VAR. Meanwhile, in order to cope with the number of people getting tested in the region, the opening hours of the Nice Testing Centre at the Théâtre de Verdure has been increased and it will now be open on Sundays. In Monaco, 96 new cases of COVID were identified on Thursday, bringing the total number of residents affected to 6,362. 33 people are currently in hospital and 247 are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. After four hours of talks between the French government and teaching unions on Thursday, which was marked by a national day of strike action, the French Minister of Education, Jean-Michel Blanquer, has announced new measures to meet the demands of teachers' unions. They'll include the funds to purchase CO2 sensors for classrooms, an increase in recruitments, including 3,300 contract workers, the postponement of the mid-CP, which is the first year of primary school evaluations, which were planned for this month, and the supply of 5 million FFP2 masks. The minister has been heavily criticised in recent days for his management of the health crisis. A trade union organisation said that they are pleased with the result of Thursday's discussions and hope that the planned regular meetings with government officials will put an end to the lack of dialogue, which has been acknowledged by the Minister of Education. A strike action on Thursday saw nearly 78,000 people, teachers and other national education staff demonstrate across France against the recent handling of the health crisis in French schools by the French government. The Administrative Court of Paris has suspended the decree from the Prefecture, making it mandatory to wear a mask outdoors in Paris since December the 31st. The decision, announced on Thursday, comes a day after that of the Administrative Court of Versailles, which had suspended a similar order, a first in France. The mandatory measure has been described as an excessive, disproportionate and inappropriate interference to individual freedom. A decision on the decree will be published today. Meanwhile, concerning the transformation of the health pass into a vaccine pass, a planned for January the 15th, after more than four hours of discussions on Thursday, MPs and senators have failed to find an agreement on the bill. France's Parliament has adopted a new bill to improve care and the creation of a monitoring platform for patients suffering from long COVID. Long COVID is characterised by the persistence of symptoms in a patient affected months earlier by COVID, including mild forms of the disease. Socialist presidential candidate and mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo, has presented her programme, which she hopes will relaunch her campaign for the French presidency. Speaking on Thursday, Hidalgo evoked a revaluation of the minimum wage, as well as the creation of a youth minimum of €5,000 to all 18-year-olds, a climate wealth tax, uh, better pay for teachers, an increase in the number of doctors and the right to vote from 16. Uh, since running for president in October, Anne Hidalgo has struggled to take off in the polls. The mayor of Paris stagnates at around 5%, a worrying situation for the French Socialist Party. And finally, from today, COVID travel restrictions for those travelling to France from the UK will be relaxed. Vaccinated travellers will no longer need a compelling reason to enter France or need to self-isolate when they arrive. Non-vaccinated travellers will still need a compelling reason to enter France and cannot travel to France for leisure reasons. Uh, they must also still isolate upon arrival. A negative COVID test taken within 24 hours before leaving the UK will be required for those who are vaccinated as well as those who are not vaccinated. 
Riviera Radio, Sports News. Crickets, it's day one of the fifth and final test between Australia and England in Hobart with the starts of play delayed because of a light drizzle at the ground. Well, England won the toss and decides to field and they had some early success. In fact, they had Australia 12 for three at one point. Uh, they steadied the ship after that, but there has been another wicket and uh, Marnus Labuschagne, uh, who's always dangerous, bowled broad for 44. So Australia 85 for four at the moment from 24 overs. Uh, South Africa need another 111 runs to uh, beat India in the third and final test in Cape Town uh, to win the series. That stumps uh, South Africa 101 for two. Tennis, there's still been no decision by the Australian government as to whether Novak Djokovic will be allowed to compete at the Australian Open or whether he'll be forced to leave for breaking COVID regulations. The world number one has been practising in Melbourne ahead of the tournament, which starts on Monday, but the Australian Immigration Minister Alex Hawke has still not ruled on the matter. On Thursday, the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison suggested that Djokovic will not be allowed to play, but Mr Hawke has the final say. What's a total mess. With the tournament starting on Monday, you would have thought they'd uh, make a decision. Football. Liverpool were held to a goalless draw by Arsenal at Anfield last night in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. What happened? I don't know. I did tell you. Oh, I was rather concerned. Mm, here are the details from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Ten-man Arsenal secured a nil-nil draw away at Liverpool in their League Cup semi-final first leg, despite playing more than an hour with a man disadvantage following a first-half red card for Granit Xhaka. The former Manchester United striker Dion Dublin was part of the BBC's commentary team at Anfield. Brilliant from Arsenal, you have to tip your hat. They just did what they needed to do. I just believe that the organisation and the, and the talk and the, and the uh, information they were passing to each other Arsenal just got them through it, they were keeping each other concentrated. Liverpool just didn't have that spark in the final third to trouble Ramsdale. The only chance, the big chance, Minamino over the bar. Newcastle have confirmed the signing of striker Chris Wood from fellow strugglers Burnley for $34 million. Both teams are level on points in the bottom three. Wood said he wished Burnley were further up the league before leaving, but confirmed his relationship with them is still strong. For me, there's no bad blood at all. I really enjoyed my time at Burnley. Four and a half years, and it was absolutely fantastic. The highs that we had playing in the Europa League, finishing 10th in the league, even when we were fighting relegation in a couple of seasons, the crowd was absolutely superb. They were always behind their lads and always behind me as a, as a striker and, and playing forward. Um, so I have nothing but great memories from there. Wood is Newcastle's second signing of the January transfer window following Kieran Trippier's arrival from Atletico Madrid. The Newcastle boss Eddie Howe had targeted attacking reinforcements after Callum Wilson was ruled out for eight weeks with a calf injury. The first game for Wood is at home against Watford. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Well, Sarah, it's time for our first Premier League predictions of the new year. Uh, tonight, Bryson played Crystal Palace in the A23 derby. Crystal Palace. They're playing well, actually, mm. under Vieira, but Brighton aren't uh, too sloppy either. Um, I'll go for a draw there. Saturday, Manchester City against Chelsea. Oh, no. 
Well, I'd like Chelsea to win for you, because well, yeah, then you'll be in a better mood. No, for mood. you, you mean. Oh, for, yes, yeah. that would be helpful, I think it? everyone, even if they dislike Chelsea intensely, would probably want Chelsea to win this one to try and close the gap on Sissy. But uh, my heart says Chelsea, but I'm afraid my head says Manchester Sissy, so Sissy win for me. Uh, Burnley against Leicester. Leicester. Desperate times, Stuart. Mm. Uh, yeah, Leicester picked up a bit. I'll go for Leicester. Newcastle against Watford. Draw. I'm sticking my neck out and going for Watford there. Uh, for Newcastle, they've got to win sometime. Uh, Norwich against Everton. Everton. Although Everton are in a real mess. I know, but they might just they have to pull their socks up at some point. It might just be. If they weekend. don't, I think it's going to be Adios Rafa after mm. uh, if they lose tomorrow. Yeah, Everton for me. Wolves against Southampton. Southampton picking up Wolves are no slouches yeah, either. Southampton. Southampton? Yeah. Draw. And Aston Villa against Manchester United. I'm going to go for Aston Villa. Yeah, me too, funnily mm. enough. <laughs> On Sunday, Liverpool play Brentford. <laughs> Any, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Brentford Nylons. Uh, yes, you never know. Uh, well, hopefully Liverpool. Well, you're not much good without Sadio Mane. No, we're not and, much um, good. <laughs> the other one, Mo Salah, are you? But, um, yeah, you should be managed to win that, but I said that last night, but I'll go for Liverpool. West Ham against Leeds, dirty Leeds. West Ham. West Ham. And Spurs against Arsenal. Arsenal. Spurs. Uh, Rugby Union, there are two games in the European Champions Cup tonight. Cardiff play Harlequins in Pool B and Castres play Munster. And in Formula 1, the FIA has outlined the process for the inquiry into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Max Verstappen won the race to secure the World Championship in farcical fashion after the race director, Michael Massey, didn't apply the rules properly in the late safety car period. The FIA will hold separate meetings with the sporting directors from Formula 1 teams and the drivers. A final ruling will be made on the eve of the new season. Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes were agreed by Massey's decision to allow one racing lap at the end of the safety car period and Hamilton is reported to be unwilling to return to the sport until the results of the inquiry are released. Why are they dragging their feet? Well, it seems, yeah, everybody's dragging their feet at the moment. The new season doesn't start until sort of uh, the middle of March and you would have thought they could come to a decision by then, but obviously not. Maybe they've been invited to Downing Street for a party. The coastal area is up to 20 miles offshore the Almaracim and the Vaya. Here's the marine weather forecast. The general situation is an anticyclone, 1,040 millibars over northern France, with a ridge of high pressure, 1,030 to 1,035 millibars over the Mediterranean basin. A winter variable, force 2 to 3. The sea is calm, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Saint Jean Cap Ferrat, 1,034 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, clear skies, force 2 to 4 variable winds, slight seas, and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are variable, force 2 to 3. The sea is calm, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1,034 millibars. And the outlook for Saturday, clear skies, force 2 to 4 variable winds, slight seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Gorgeous again, clear skies, light variable winds, temperatures uh, 13 to 15 degrees this afternoon, overnight lows 5 to 7 degrees on the coast, minus 1 degree inland with clear skies, the weekend clear skies, highs of 13 to 15 degrees, finally. Astronomers think that they've found an exomoon, that's a moon that exists outside of our own solar system, it's based on data from NASA, 
In a new paper that experts report that the discovery of a mysterious body that's almost three times the size of Earth, which they think is an exomoon. It's more than 20,500 miles in diameter, compared with Earth's diameter of 7,900 miles. The existence of any exomoon is yet to be officially confirmed, although the first potential candidate was identified four years ago. It confirmed the new sighting could mean that exomoons are as common in the universe as exoplanets which are planets that are outside of our solar system. Fascinating. There you go. Don't ask me about Wordle. You didn't do, yeah. Epic didn't do very fail. Well. Epic, Epic fail. fail, fail. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Six Not at goes. all, no. really. Oh, Six dear. goes, yeah. Hmm.